morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Today, joining me on the next iteration of our Cloud Culture series, I've got Marcus Peter, who's soon to be a friend of the pod, but he's out of our ACDC group here at SAP. Marcus, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Of course. So today we're having a conversation about empowerment and delegation. So Marcus, let's just give me a top line overview of what you think empowerment and delegation is all about. I would say they're basically two sides of the same thing because um, people who want to empower others often think about, okay, I want to delegate away work. Uh, um, and the people who receive um, the work who are delegated to, they hopefully feel empowered <laughs> to also make the right decisions and uh, detail the work uh, the way they would like to do it. Yeah, so it's interesting because you and I worked on the content for the site for this particular page with, uh, with some others. And I think one of the places where you and I had a great conversation or series of conversations was in trying to make sure that we covered both sides of that coin, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that you talk about what uh, leadership should be doing in certain situations mm -hmm. and what we called on this, on this site empowered contributors, because I think mm -hmm. the empowered piece is really critical because no one ever thinks about being an individual contributor that you're actually empowered to, to help make decisions or to help drive the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, of course, the, the optimistic case that um, people are empowered, but sometimes they just don't realize that, uh, okay, that means I can make decisions. I don't have to ask the leader or whoever back all the time whether how I do things is okay. Um, but since we say we always look at things from both sides, uh, in fact, it's, it's a two by two uh, math problem you could even look at because it has two sides from the leader side and two sides from the recipient side. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> no, I was just, just thinking about that that way. And it's like, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, yeah. because I think that contributor to your point, contributors never feel like they have a say. It's basically, I have to do what I'm told. And I think for a lot of organizations and mm -hmm. for a lot of teams, you, you do have that dynamic. You have functional managers or, you know, even, mm -hmm. uh, product owners who think, you know, it's my decision as to what we're doing. And when you're trying to do something in, say, an agile organization, because this is the focus of the whole podcast series is from an agile viewpoint, you have to have, uh, you have to have some give and take between managers and ICs or product owners and ICs, because you're all part of a team. And if you don't remember that you're part of a team, it's, it just doesn't work as well. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you describe one of the stereotype of the uh, recipients of the empowerment, though those who suddenly get freedom to make decisions and just don't realize because they were not used to it. I've also seen the opposite case. That's why I look at it from both sides, where people ask, "Oh, please empower me, please empower me, manager." Uh, but as soon as they get the work and they start to realize, okay, with empowerment comes responsibility, they shy away. Um, that, that's also yeah. something that we have to be aware of. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you, I mean, you do have to have a conversation, you know, as an IC, I have all of these responsibilities. Now I have to do something with them. It's not where it's just like, 
you know, you're out uh, running around shooting off guns going, I'm empowered. And it's like, okay, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to actually deliver or are you going to just, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoy the responsibility? And that's when when I see such people, I basically tell them, I mean, remember that there's a good reason why Scrum has courage as one of its five listed values, because I mean, of just have the courage. I mean, um, why shy away? And um, you typically grow uh, from this kind of responsibilities. Yeah. It it leads to the conclusion that if you really want empowerment and delegation to work nicely, I guess it's a no-brainer for us here in this uh, discussion that it requires a fail, safe to fail kind of environment or call it psychological safety or whatever you want to call it right so well, it means yeah. also that, that those who empower must accept that the people might not do a perfect job immediately but first have to learn how to and it's interesting you bring up, yeah? yeah yeah it's interesting to bring up psychological safety because i think sometimes our role as coaches uh it's where you feel like you have to protect it. And I think you actually have to build it instead. You have to mm-hmm. build that safety on a team. You have to make them feel, you know, not like I'm here to defend your psychological safety. It's like, no, you have to actually mm-hmm. help build that safety within the team so that yeah. they go, oh, I can actually say what I want to say. I can say to a colleague mm-hmm. that I completely disagree with you and not feel like it's going to impact me, or even mm-hmm. say that to a functional manager or a product owner that, you know, I completely disagree with this viewpoint. Totally different way of enabling that if you're trying to build it as opposed to the, you know, my role as a coach or a scrum master is to shield everybody from badness, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it's, it's, I usually like to compare this with how you treat kids. If you overprotect them, if you have an overprotective scrum master, the team won't grow. They won't become mm-hmm. more responsible. But on the other hand, if you, I mean, would you ever tell somebody who you always drove to school, say, and now turns 18, now you drive yourself with a car I mean, without having had driving lessons, for example? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we often say with, I mean, for, if you empower people, they also need the skills and tools and everything. So, I mean, you can't just throw it at them and then they will make it work. No, they, they need to learn how to do it. And how do you learn to learn to drive a car first with a teacher next to you in a kind of safe to fail environment, right? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, one of the things that we cover on the site is we, we talk through uh, delegation poker and decision mm-hmm. poker. Why don't you walk me through, uh, let's say, decision poker. Yeah, I guess many people might have heard about delegation poker because it's already described in the Management 3.0 philosophy and in the book by Apello and, and other environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, decision poker is kind of a flavor of it I would, or a specialization of it. Um, if you remember delegation poker, it's basically is a technique where you use poker-like cards distributed to the team. And when you have some piece of work, uh, everybody can basically um pick one card to let whoever know how they would want this piece of work to be delegate delegated do they want the leader to do it do they want to uh, delegate it to an individual or to a subgroup or whatsoever and if you think about it it's often 
implicitly about decision-making processes, who decides about how things will be done. And this probably led to this idea about decision poker. So decision poker technically is quite similar. You also have a set of cards. I think if I remember correctly, it's seven. And each card is a different way how you can make decisions. So the, on one extreme case, of course, the leader makes all the decisions and the others just act. Um, then on the other end of the spectrum is uh, you completely delegate the decision to somebody and don't even care for how the, what the result of the decision is. But there's, of course, a spectrum in between. Uh, the leader could say, okay, I hear the people to be consulted, but still I make the decision. Uh, I could go for consensus. That's the classic, probably, in, in many um, very agile environments. Uh, but you could also go for consent instead. Uh, so um, probably if you know about sociocracy and these kind of environments, that would be more the default kind of decision making there, where you say, we don't ask everybody to actually agree to what we want to do, but see, would anybody object? Is, anybody, is everybody able to live with a decision? That's usually quite far faster to achieve than a real consensus. But you could also say, I delegate, uh, let a subgroup make a decision, or we do real democracy, or we look for the option with the least uh, resistance. So that's, I'm not sure if I really covered all uh, aspects, but each of these ways of making a decision would be a dedicated card. Uh, and then you just play it like delegation poker, more or less. And of course, you would not do this for every tiny decision, but probably for categories of decisions whenever we want to discuss about work and progress limits, for example, do we want to do it consent-based or consensus-based, for example? Yeah. yeah, and I would say that there are probably some teams that would say, wait, you want to, you know, one of the options mm -hmm. is a majority vote. You want to do yeah. what, right? <laughs> or, or you know, consensus, I think, is, the, is an easy one, right? It's default, right? It's the, hey, let's everybody come up with an idea together. There are going to be certain teams that are going to hear some of these choices, you know, that come from decision poker, you know, top down, or you know, it's an, you know, we just pick somebody who makes the decision, you know, the arbitrary one, or doing majority vote. I mean, that would up that could completely upend some dynamics in a in a team, mm -hmm. right? Because they're so used to one way of doing work, and then all of a sudden you go, ha ha, here's a new way of doing it, and. It's one of those things. So for those of you who are uh, watching this internally or have the internal resources, those links are on the uh, Cloud Culture page. For those of you who are listening, who are outside of SAP, Google uh, decision, uh, decision Poker and you can, uh, we'll actually put that link on the, on the site. So in the time that we have left, is there anything you think we should cover that we haven't talked about already? I mean, we've, we've covered kind of the difference in how an empowered contributor works versus leadership. And also we walked through some of the uh, decision poker or see, and I'm, my brain's just not working right now. It's delegation <laughs> poker, decision poker. You know, one of the things that we didn't cover was talking about being a multiplier, if you wanted to cover that. I think you'll probably have the multiplier mindset in mind yes. uh, when you talk about being a multiplier. Um, <clears throat> I think it, it um, lends itself nicely to the empower idea. Um, maybe going back to my comparison of a scrum master with an overprotective um, parent. 
Um, that is a little bit like the fixed mindset or, or yeah, uh, accidental diminisher behavior, because if you overshield the people, they cannot grow. And the multiplier mindset would be exactly the opposite. Try to not stand in the way of people uh, to let them grow. Rather, multiply your own skills, your beliefs, your values by letting the others adopt them and um, live up to them and make them visible as well. And this only works if you empower them. If you, if you have the courage to let them do the work the way they would like to do it, and that also requires courage on the side of the person who usually would do the work because they might not do it in exactly the same way you would do it. And you have to accept that and then see whether the result is still okay. Maybe it's not as perfect as yours would be initially. Maybe they achieve it in a different way, but what really matters is the result, right? And it's okay if it's not perfect initially, but gets better and better. That way you multiply your own skills and behaviors. Marcus, yeah. if there's one thing that you wanted to make sure that we covered, what's your most favorite thing when it comes to empowerment and delegation? I think my favorite thing is that it really liberates people. Okay, how so? And uh, Because if you empower people, I make them take over responsibility and do the job as they would like to do them. And mm -hmm. as they probably have the knowledge if they're the people who would usually um, do the groundwork anyway. And so it fits nicely with a demogra democratic and uh, humanistic worldview, I would say. Interesting. See, for me, it is very much that we are very overt and specific in saying that empower contributors and leadership in the same content, because usually in this type of content, it's implied, but it, this is very direct. That's what I would say about so when it all boils down to is empower, multiply, let's see, all the other words that we've used, delegate, you know, mm -hmm. make decisions. I think, uh, I think there's plenty of content for people to think through when it comes to this, mm -hmm. to this concept. And uh, Marcus, yep. thank you for the time. Until the next iteration, I'm Brent. Marcus. Until the next iteration, give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us on mail at info at fasterthanstandup.com or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Stand Up. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than Stand Up. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.